0: Welcome to the MarTech
1: Podcast. Today, we're going to discuss changes in how marketers can identify their customers. Joining us is Adam Robinson, who is the founder of Get Emails, which is the world's first ever email-based retargeting software. Get Emails identifies up to 35% of your anonymous traffic and then sends their contact records directly to your email marketing app so you can follow up with what were previously lost leads. And today, Adam and I are going to discuss how identity resolution is changing. All right, here's the first part of my conversation with Adam Robinson, founder of Get Emails. Adam, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast.
2: Thank you very much. These topics are very near and dear to my heart that we're talking about.
1: I'm excited to have you back on the show. Uh, It's probably been a little over a year that we first connected and you told us a little bit about Get Emails, which is essentially the ability for a marketer to be able to capture email records just by somebody visiting your website. No express consent, no opt-in boxes, no crazy forms. Somebody goes to your website, you can collect their emails. You're still doing this, and we talked a lot about the privacy concerns back over a year ago. Just quickly, before we get into identity resolution, talk to me about what's happening at get Emails.
2: So at get Emails. Probably somewhat unsurprisingly, the product that you described is incredibly marketable. (laughs) If you tell someone they can get 10 times the amount of email addresses that they would get from form fills, they're listening, especially e-commerce people. So that's been great. We've just launched another product, which is sort of similar in terms of like improving the efficiency of our customers' emailing programs, where in order to make get emails work, we're buying a bunch of open and click data. And what we do is we don't give our customers a record unless we've gotten activity from that email somewhere in our network in the last 14 days. So we decided to productize that and people can give us their dormant email list that they've stopped contacting because they're unengaged emails. And we listen for signals on that dormant list. And we pass an event to somebody in real time when that subscriber clicks an email somewhere else besides their newsletter and they send a re-engagement email out to that customer and allows them to recapture and start dripping marketing to people who they've stopped dripping to because that's good practices for email and get them back in their funnel and contact them. So that's a long story of what's been going on in our company. But what this episode's about is what's been changing in identity resolution. What's the future? What all marketers have been paying attention to who have anything to do with what we're doing right now identity resolution and marketing in general is this third-party cookie issue. It's the backbone of our technology and how it works. The last time we talked, I was terrified because it was going to end in what would be four months from now and probably a year from then. We figured out a way to do it without cookies.
1: I mean, this is a compliment. I think of you as a internet marketing cowboy. Flattering. And by that, I mean, it's the Wild West always in internet marketing. And you are taking all the things that marketers want to do and productizing them. But I think a lot of marketers would say, well, there's a moral issue with collecting contact information from people that didn't give it to me. Or there is a legal concern about capturing data that wasn't expressly given to a marketer and we all think about gdpr and ccpa and all the privacy and identity rules and regulations that are coming into play first off let's get into the weeds here a little bit and talk about what identity resolution is first and foremost and then let's talk about what is changing so what's your take on what identity resolution is
2: i think that it means different things depending on the application The original application of it was taking your offline data and connecting it to online digital identifiers to market to people through display. Like when LiveRamp started as an identity resolution company, that was what they did. I consider what we're doing identity resolution because we're doing it backwards. We're taking anonymous digital identifiers and we're connecting them to real profiles and delivering that to the customer. That to me is still taking something that is not an identity of someone, converting it to an identity and giving it to a customer for marketing purposes. So
1: connecting bits to people, connecting unidentifiable identifiers.
2: Exactly. Or the other way around. It's all about how you're doing it. And there's a bunch going on with the wall gardens and technology and stuff that touches all of it. It touches us. It touches what LiveRam's doing right now. It touches everything so yeah that's my definition of what identity resolution is
1: and it's easy to sit you mostly in a podcast chair to sit on my high horse and say well you shouldn't be capturing data from people that aren't expressly consenting and giving it to you and in reality we do this we look for lead lists we capture email addresses from people that we want to target And we're getting data and reaching out through cold emails. And this is no different than going and finding someone's email address and reaching out to them, except they've already visited your website. So honestly, I'm at a moral crossroads with, should I be collecting email addresses from people that haven't given me their emails because I can, or is this no different than I'm just going onto LinkedIn and following somebody and connecting their email and reaching out to them? It's up to everybody to decide where they stand morally. There are some changes to identity resolution You mentioned the third-party cookie and what's happening there. How is identity resolution changing?
2: By the way, I want to agree with your take on the sort of morality or the ethics of this whole thing that we do. I don't claim that there can't be an ethical objection to contacting someone who has not opted in. Everyone has their own interpretation of whether or not they're going to do that. I will say that according to our attorneys, there is no legit legal objection to what we're doing. We've never gone through a legal department and not made it through. We can talk about more of the law later, but I think you're absolutely right. It's totally up to the marketer or or the organization rather. And then jumping to this technological point, let's talk about probably one of the biggest products at LiveRamp, who's the 800-pound gorilla in this identity resolution market. One of the biggest products they have is this product that using cookies, it basically follows you all the way all around the internet and it puts you into segments that are anonymized and it allows real-time bidding to occur based upon those anonymized segments. And if you're in a segment, you're worth a lot more to an advertiser. And that's all driven by cookies. So Google has been very clear about their desire to get rid of these third-party cookies. Safari already did, Firefox did too, but Chrome so heavily used, this product that LiveRamp is the biggest player in, it's all their identity link and basically drives off it that product needs to completely change when cookies go away. ATS is their solution, which is a cookie-less ecosystem that basically a publisher can put these forms all over their website. And if I, Adam Robinson, go to Rolling Stone magazine and I actually input my email address, I can then say, yes, you can share data about me in order for this publisher to capture more revenue for the impressions that are being served to me. And it all works without cookies. That's what they're proposing.
1: What I've heard is the solution that's replacing cookies is essentially the same thing as cookies, but they're clusters. And that instead of being tracked on an individual basis, your identifier is mixed with multiple other identifiers. So essentially your marketing will be one third as effective because there's three other people in your targeting cluster.
2: So that's my understanding of federated learning of cohorts, actually what Google is doing as an organization. Okay. So there's this non-walled garden display advertising world that needs a solution of some sort, literally like how the publisher will actually control. It's not happening inside of Google's ecosystem. And LiveRamp ATS is that. So without getting too far into the realm of talking about the display world, because that's not my expertise, this email world is... What's relevant to me and anyone who uses our products is our entire identity system is based on third-party cookies. Thank God we just got a two-year life extension <laughs> to do things the way we've been doing. We were testing other ways of tying a browser without a cookie to a hashed email, which is how our thing works. And basically, it's a bad word, but what you need to do is you have to fingerprint people. The Google thing will exist. They'll plump people together. It won't be individual, people will be in buckets. That will happen. What marketers will continue to wanna do outside of that world is get more granular identities where they can of visitors to their website to perform targeted advertising. You just want that. If you can use machine learning and look at a bunch of different signals and look at a bunch of browser identifiers, and you can determine that visitor A, who is not authenticated is actually person B in your CRM, you want that information.
1: Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. It sounds like what's happening, you're calling it fingerprinting, is... The technology of cookies is going away in theory in two years, Asterisks, asterisk, you know, every other modifier you can place. We, We thought it was happening in four months. Google gave an extension and it sounds like there are other technologies that are being created that just replace what cookies do with maybe a more privacy centric technology, but still sounds like we're going to be able to continue to target individual people based on their web behaviors like we would with cookies.
2: Right. So what's happening right now with our service is that we're laying cookies on people and we're connecting them to an email hash. Mm -hmm. And that's all being triggered off someone clicking in an email newsletter and landing on a landing page that has our script on it that does this. It, It cookies people's browsers. Well, if you get rid of the cookie, you can still have that process where someone clicks on an email, they hit a landing page And then if we're partners with that landing page that they hit, we see information coming from their browser that would allow us to look back over time and find similar browser characteristics to somebody in our database connected to the same or a similar email. So then we could maybe link different browser impressions based upon their characteristics. And it's like resolution, fonts, like there's this really interesting website for people who are really nerded out by this, who are listening to this called miunique.org. And you can go visit that. And you can see all of the different things, all the different information that your browser presents to a website publisher when you arrive there. So the idea would be that six or seven of these things combined would create a very unique profile. So if you could just get those six or seven off of everybody and connect them to some other piece of information about that person, you could then stitch together people's devices around some personal identifier without actually using a cookie. It won't be quite as accurate, but it'll probably be good enough to work in most cases.
1: So instead of having a cookie that is essentially dropping tracking on your browser, so whoever put that cookie there can follow around your web behavior, you're triangulating looking at things like user agent platform, time zone, language, all the variables that are in your browser.
2: And I think what's going to happen is this just going to be a cat and mouse game because marketers want this technology, right? Like the demand for tracking an individual is through the roof. So what I believe in, I think the Wall gardens will ultimately win, but it's sort of like SEO, right? Google makes some changes. The smartest SEO guys in the world figure out how to, I don't want to say game the system, but optimize for those changes. I think in this identity world, you're going to have Apple making changes. You're going to have identity resolution providers, a company, you know, figuring out systems that will work well enough, federated learning of cohorts thing that Google's doing, that will allow people to track with reasonable accuracy individuals. So the demand for this field is not going to go away a publisher of a website and marketers are always going to want to know who the individuals are on their site and whether or not they're tied into people in their CRMs for marketing purposes. So no matter what the changes are, we're going to try to do things that allow people to capture that information with good accuracy.
1: So I think there's two questions. One, what are the identity resolution platforms doing knowing that the browser cookie is going away? And we've kind of covered that. And two, what are the marketers who are reliant on the data from the identity resolution companies doing, or what should they be doing to make sure that they're not caught with their pants down when inevitably the cookie does go away?
2: Probably the biggest non-walled garden cookie-based identity resolution system for display right now is LiveRamp's identity link. And their approach to solving this problem, if you just Google LiveRamp ATS and watch a video explanation of it, that's what those guys are doing. We're a much smaller company than them. What we're doing is we're trying to make our system get emails work without cookies by using this browser fingerprinting technique. We're doing, it's a different use case. There's different sort of things influencing it and we're approaching it in a totally different way. So what should marketers do to prepare for the eventual death of third-party cookies? I think the most common answer to that is Optimize your website to build your first-party database over the next couple of years as much as humanly possible because the value of that and owning your own segments is going to go up exponentially. We have a large publisher client who in preparation for this move, and they luckily got given another two years, they're onboarding a CDP. They have like 50 properties and a CDP as a customer data portal is basically a CRM on steroids. So a CRM typically would only collect information on identified users that you have PII for. My understanding of the difference between a CDP and a CRM is the CDP does that and collects data for your anonymous visitors as well. And then it can tie the anonymous visitors to identified visitors if you have something linking them. So if you can imagine the power of, if you do it the right way, collecting all this information on both your known and unknown visitors, and then tying affinity information to that across 50 properties, this is what these guys are trying to do to get in front of third-party cookies. They're trying to basically create a system that achieves the same thing across all of their properties so that they can track on their own people's cross-website behavior and create segments that are their own segments rather than using live ramp segments that they're renting. They can create their own segments and then go to advertisers and say, look, I know these are men, they're 30, 35 years old, they're interested in sports and investing. And I have 200,000 of them. So here's the segment. So if you have the luxury of being someone who has that type of scale and reach, that's an option for you. If you're much smaller, you don't have that option. But The point is, that was an example of someone investing in a first-party data strategy that will decrease their dependency on cross-website tracking and behavior to monetize ads.
1: My takeaway here is that, first off, marketers relying on third-party data have been given a two-year stay of execution. Cookies are going to be around for at least a little while. And now the strategy is, in advance of the deletion or the removal of access to cookies or the use of the technology... The strategy here is you need to start building your first-party database, and you need to start prioritizing collecting as much PII, I don't know if I should say as much PII, but as much information on the people that are visiting your sites as you can, because when the third-party data resources are diminished, the value of your company is going to be in some part dictated by your ability to access, collect, and build first-party databases.
2: That's my view. And like a quick sort of one, two, three for that is, if you can set your website up to collect a lot more emails, you can actually get pretty good demographic segmenting information tied to an email address that's very accurate and it's not that expensive. So here's an example, right? If you just got your website collecting emails three times better than it is today or something like that, or you got really ambitious and said, I'm collecting 2% of emails, I'm just going to set things up in a way to where my goals, I'm going to collect 8 or 9% of these emails. Off of an email address, if you could simply collect zip code, income level, gender, and age, which are out there in abundance for very cheap, even your email newsletter, if you ever sponsor it. By geography, you can slice that up into three different sponsorships, California, East Coast, and the middle of America, and target different advertisers for those geographies. You know, the other information, income level, gender, like that's great segmenting information also. And that's just off of the email use case.
1: Sounds like our friends at Conversion Fanatics, a former sponsor of the MarTech podcast, are going to be in high demand over the next two years as email collection becomes more and more important. There's also a legal component to this as well, and there's a lot of confusion about what you can and can't do related to rules like CCPA and GDPR. So we're going to bring Adam back tomorrow, and we're going to continue this conversation and get his take on some of the legal ramifications of what's happening in internet marketing today. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Adam Robinson, founder of Get Emails. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Adam and I are going to talk about e-commerce's false equivalency for CCPA and GDPR. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Adam, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is Adam underscore L underscore Robinson, or you can visit his company's website, which is getemails.com.